Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Bouncing in the pocket, his throw caught at the 10-yard line. He's nice, nice. straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 166 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. With me to discuss... The comings, the goings, the breathless 24 hours or so of NFL free agency, the legal tampering period, as they like to call it, still sounds quite weird to me, is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. Hello, son. How are you doing? All right, man. How are you? I'm not too bad. Just keeping a very close eye on Twitter, refreshing the the, the (laughs) ever-evolving madness that it is at the moment. And it is revolving madness, as you say. Um, it is, of course, as I mentioned, the free agency period, which, again, just as we're catching our breath after that Super Bowl, which was a month ago, only a month ago on that Sunday, rage, uh, we're back into the frenzy of free agency. And obviously there was lots of talk about the Bengals have to address their offensive line. They have to do it. No messing around this time. No Band-Aids. No shortcuts. No signing backups, you know, no messing around. Got to do it. Got to do it properly. And um, uh, the legal tampering period started in the UK at 4pm yesterday. And I think, I don't know, within a minute or so, Adam Schefter uh, announced that the Bengals uh, were signing Alex Kappa from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or at least ex of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, talk about out the gates, quick as you like. Bloody hell. Just what you want, wouldn't it? And I was refreshing Twitter at that point, and I saw it just as um, Adam Schefter broke it, and you thought, cool, blimey. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen the Bengals make a move so quickly out of the blocks. <laughs> Clearly knew it was a priority, wanted to get it done soon and quickly, and a fantastic addition. I don't know if that was buoyed by the fact that Ryan Jensen went back to Tampa because of Brady coming back and they wanted to sort of get it as, done as quickly as they can before he had a chance to um, Brady had a chance potentially to lure him back or whatever it was but smart move from the Bengals to go and get uh, you know a sort of solid upgrade on that line straight out of the blocks yeah as you mentioned uh, there was lots of talk about the uh, the Bengals being in for uh, he uh, Kappa's uh, colleague Ryan Jensen and um uh, you know, the whole Tom Brady thing seemed to put a, a spanner in the works, really, because like, if he didn't come back, you would imagine there'd be a bigger exodus from Tampa, wouldn't there? But him coming back, apparently he got on the phone to Jensen straight away and said, look, mate, I'm coming back. I want you back. I want you back. I want you back. I want you back for good. He didn't <laughs> say that, but he could have done. Um, um but then the Bengals went out and just got his uh, the guy that stands next to him on the line, and that's Alex Kappa. So the Bengals signed Alex Kappa, a right guard, uh, four years, thirty-five million dollars, uh, with eleven million uh, uh, total guarantees. And um, if you follow the brilliant Andre Perotta uh, on Twitter at Andre Perotta thirteen, he broke it down 
and he says um, cash spend for Alex Kappa is 13.5 million and um, um, the cap hit is 6.75 million so yeah 35, 35 million over four years but that's broken down in quite a team friendly deal in the way that Bengals like to do that you know um, they like to uh, have uh, an out towards the end of people's contracts and that seems to be how they've structured this deal so not certainly not a back-breaking deal cash-wise uh, very appealing in terms of profile as well Frank Pollack last week said he wanted some glass eaters and by all accounts this guy has glass glass muesli for breakfast um, <laughs> um, what do you make of it I mean the thing that pleased me most is they're they're not messing around here they are addressing a need they're not they're not kind of going here or there they're just focusing directly on on our, what I believe is our biggest need, and that's right guard. Yeah, I mean, it's a good move. And I think when you look at Tampa Bay and Tom Brady last year, I think he was the least sacked quarterback in the league. And that line is very, very good with um, Wirfs on one side and you've got Jensen in the middle um, and obviously Kappa as well. So very, very good line over there. And the Bengals clearly went out and identified this guy. There's a, quite a lot of linemen knocking around on the market that have been discussing and looking at. And they clearly thought this guy was someone that was going to come in and be an immediate upgrade. Seems like a very high character guy and someone that's going to come in and be not only just a good player, but a leader as well and fit into that sort of culture and character type of approach that uh, Zach Taylor really prioritizes. So a very good signing. I mean, I think his PFF grade was sort of late 60s or mid to late 60s, something like that, which it's hard with linemen, isn't it? Because you, you'd be lying if you went around the league and said you could name all the starting guards, tackles, rotational pieces across each team and know exactly how good they are by having watched their tape. But by all accounts, PFF stats, starts, um, things that have been written about him. He seems like a very strong um, above average interior lineman, which is exactly what we needed, really, wasn't it? Yes, very much so. I think it was it was good. They, I mean, as I said, the thing that impressed me most is a the speed at which they went out and reportedly did this deal, and b the fact that um, you know because there's been a lot of chat about oh Taron Armstead, go for him. Let's pay twenty million for him a year uh, and move Jonah to right tackle and all this and all that. But to me, the absolute weakness of this offensive line is the interior. So, um, Boyle accounts, they loved Ryan Jensen. Uh, I'm still calling him Jensen, even though his name is Ryan Jensen, just because I'm really uh, <laughs> stubborn. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it just offers an immediate upgrade. That's the thing with, with Alex Kappa. And he's a small school guy. He didn't get drafted particularly high, but he's maximised his talents. And everyone, whatever you've read about Alex Kappa, he's like one dude who absolutely maximises his um, talent. He's a top 15 guard. He's won a Super Bowl ring, albeit he didn't play in the Super Bowl. So he's got playoff experience or being at least on a Super Bowl winning team. He's played with, you know, the greatest quarterback ever to play the game. Um so there's not, and you know, there's not a lot to dislike about that. Uh, you know, he's not a tier one guy. He's not a Brandon Scherf or whatever, you know. Uh, but 
um, he instantly improves uh, a glaring area of weakness I think so I think it's a good uh, it's a good uh, signing um, the Bengals followed that up within the hour or so by signing Ted Karras uh, it's a good solid handles here, by the way, isn't it? Ted Karras yes. and Alex <laughs> Kappa. I mean, they're both solid handles. Yeah, absolutely. And um, very solid handles. Karras and Kappa. Kappa and Karras, the new lads on the block. I mean, it's exciting. And again, he fits that mould. I mean, Kappa is in his mid-20s on his second contract. That's what they love. Uh, and he's approaching his prime. Ted Karras, a little bit older, 29 today, I believe. Um but uh, Ted Ted Caras was uh, signed three years, eighteen million, with five million total guarantee. So again, another team-friendly deal. Uh, and Andre um, said about Caras, uh, I think uh, cash by year seven million this year, four point six, then six point four. Cap numbers five. 5.6 and 7.4 in the final year of his contract. But he obviously has played both centre and guard. I always thought of him as a guard, so I, I kind of put the question out there on Twitter. Um, what do you envisage happening? So I'm going to pose this to you, Nathan. Are you playing Ted Carrot? Obviously, Kappa is locked in at right guard. Uh, are you playing Ted Carrot centre? Um and and moving Trey Hopkins to guard? Are you playing Ted Karras at centre and cutting Trey Hopkins? Or are you playing Ted Karras at uh, left guard and keeping Trey Hopkins and or uh, getting a new centre in? Um, that was the question. Because I, I always thought of Karras as a guard, um, but he, he obviously has got centre experience and all the journalists are saying they expect him to be centre. So what do you make of that? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it points towards Hopkins getting cut, is my opinion. Um, and I think he may well, Karras, play centre. I think that the JC Tretter getting cut by the Browns, I believe mm. it was today, wasn't it, or yeah. last night? Um, a couple of hours ago, just a couple of hours ago. Yeah, he's like a, I mean, he's very well, you know, very highly regarded um, centre, someone that you know coming across from the AFC North. So wouldn't it be lovely to steal one of the Browns' best mm. players from them? I think the Bengals will have interest in him. I think Andre Protter was out there saying that you know this guy's an Ivy League guy. Someone like Mike Brown quite favours that in the past for some guys that he's got out and got. I think even I saw that JC Tretter's dad liked <laughs> yes. someone's tweet saying yeah. the Bengals was interested. I mean, you we really are digging digging quite deep in the rumour mills here, but. He would be a fantastic player. Now, I really didn't think the Bengals would go out there and sign big, flashy, top-tier one free no, agents. I really no. didn't think. I certainly didn't think they were going to go and get three guys across the line. I did think this would be their sort of approach, mid-range guys that they can get on sort of team-friendly deals that upgrade the team. But very much like what they did last year, you know. that None of the guys they got last year, with maybe the exception of Trey Hendrickson, who maybe you'd say is, what, a tier two addition potentially I well you call him a that. tier one right now but you, you call him a tier yeah, one yeah. right now absolutely but at the time you know he certainly wasn't the biggest name on the market but was a fairly big name but that's kind of their approach you know your mike hilton's cheetos they weren't guys that people were necessarily you know writing tons of articles about leading up to free agency but a solid 
pieces that they turned into very, very capable players that played well above what the Bengals probably paid for them. So that's kind of what they're looking to do, I think, with Karras and Kappa is get them guys in there, hard workers, get Frank Pollock to coach them up and get them playing at a higher level um, than the guys they had last year. Um, so I think it, I think it's a difficult one with Trey because he's a very high character guy. He's known as being one of the smarter guys in the locker room. He's got a good relationship with Joe Burrow. He's been around for a long while. Um, he's obviously just come off an injury last year as well. So you've got to remember that he probably wasn't playing anywhere near his best. But there's a lot of talent knocking around still on the market. Um and they can save a bit of money and a bit of cap room by cutting him to bring someone else in. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. And they had, I think I still for sure think there's probably one more lineman out there. I mean, you've got to remember as well on the line that, yes, they've gone out and got two very, very solid um, additions to that line. But as of now, Quinton Spain has gone. And in, th- in fairness, he was one of the better interior linemen. I mean, Quinton Spain, I know he played poorly in the playoffs. His PFF grade last year, and again, I'm not just taking this as the only thing you look at, but it was in the 70s. You know, it was a bit higher mm, than some of the guys mm. who've just gone and got. And Riley Reef was is obviously out of contract as well. And he was pretty good at right tackle and a good addition for us. Obviously, we lost him late in the season and he didn't play in the playoffs. And that's when things really started to fall off a cliff. But I thought Riley Reef was pretty good last season when he did play. So there's two very capable guys in Spain and Reef that at the moment are unsigned. I think there's a chance Spain might come back depending on what interest there is in him and how much people are offering. If the Bengals think they get a good deal on it, it maybe a one-year contract type thing. Um, I don't know, but that's the only thing I would say with this is there almost has to be at least another guy if you don't bring back um, one of Reef or Spain. Yeah, it's interesting. Quintus Spain posted a wink emoji because now, of course, it is the season of emojis. You've just got to post uh, an eye staring emoji and everyone goes completely nuts. And um, Quintus Spain posted a wink emoji and, of course, everyone went completely nuts. Uh, so goodness knows what that means. Maybe he's secured a contract elsewhere or, you know, he's been talking to the Bengals and they want him back. Um, Karras ranked 11th out of 63 qualifying guards, according to ESPN Next Gen Stats. Um, PFF uh, ranked him 8th in pass blocking efficiency. In terms of he was 1st in pressures allowed and 8th pass block grade so you know his stats as a guard are really pretty good Uh, there's a bit of a drop off when he was at centre the year before but I guess it's positional versatility so now they can kind of see what's out there but JC Trett is an interesting one what about the right tackle lots of talk about uh, Lael Collins at the moment trading for him or it looks likely because no one has surprisingly traded for him yet uh, it looks as though people are willing to let him go onto the open market I mean that would make a hell of a lot of sense as well if they can work something out there Um, went to LSU was coached by Frank Pollack Again, right kind of age. At the moment, I think he's on something like 10 mil a year. So, you know, not back-breaking in terms of costs. Um, And he's one of the better right tackles in football. So if there's some way that, you know, they could work out Leo Collins, that just makes too much sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting with that one, isn't it? Because obviously he's not been cut as of yet. I'm sure a few teams are sort of throwing things around. I mean, the Bengals haven't historically been the most aggressive team in the world, giving up picks straight up for players. They quite like to do a bit of a player-on-player type of deal um, than just straight up give away some of their picks. But Leo Collins would be a fantastic player. I mean, if you were to plug him in at right tackle, he'd be an upgrade over Riley Reef for sure going into next season. And obviously you've got the two new guys in the interior, which would again would be upgrades. So, I mean, certainly if you've got Leo Collins and you could sit there, pack up camp and say, well, we've cert- we've done our job there for the, um, the offensive line. Let's address the rest of the team. And you're still then free to draft someone um, in the first couple of rounds, first three rounds or so to come in and, um, get, you know, someone that can grow into that position maybe in a year or two's time. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few options out there. You know, I'm I'm completely not against, and it won't be the sexiest option in the world. I'm completely for bringing Riley Reef back. He's a, another high character guy, played pretty well. As long as the injury's not too serious, I think he'd be a lot cheaper than you get some other players, and you might be able to reinvest that money elsewhere. I mean, I know obviously we're going to get on to to the tight end position, but I mean that's another one that you've got to allocate some money mm. for. Obviously, you've got the Jesse Bates extension, and if you do want to do it. Um, at some point in the future. So as much as we want to throw everything at the line, and it's certainly a smart move, we you know, it, it's, we need it to be upgraded, we need it to be operating at a high level. There are other positions of need, obviously cornerback. Yeah. We've not made any moves yet either. So, yeah, even the defensive line now, the defensive interior with um, Larry Joby going. So I don't want to just completely throw all the money in the world and, the cap space we can on the line and neglect other positions. If there was a sort of team friendly option, bring Riley Reef back for another sort of one year deal that's not going to break the bank, so he could be a bit more aggressive elsewhere. Then I wouldn't be against that because I thought he was a pretty good player last year. Yeah, he was solid. Um, I think um, nothing more than that. So I don't know if they, they, if they can explore better options. Then I'm all for that. And I think Leo Collins is a better option. I mean, I, I think these guys across the board. You've got to remember the line wasn't actually awful for the first sort of half to three quarters of the season. It was just down the stretch when Reef did go down, and you had Isaiah Prince in there. You had Akima Denergy in there, and you it was a bit sort of revolving doors at times. And that's where I think it really hurt us was the backups. I think if we get you know with these new guys in there starting, I think then you've got you know some of those other guys like Prince that you really don't want to be playing as a starter mm. and. Obviously, he'll have another year under his belt as well. A lot of young guys there. I mean, you don't want to completely write them off. Jackson Carmen was in his rookie season last year. He's hopefully going to have a good, better camp and have a bit more experience under his belt. I mean, you feel a bit more confident about him coming off the bench. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm happy with where what they've done so far because, as I say, they've addressed the real area of need on that line, which is the interior. So, I mean, if they they need to add another one if they can, I think. But right tackle is is a glaring one as well. Um, um, you mentioned Larry Ogunjobi. He signed a monster deal with uh, the Bears, didn't he? And um, so, which is great. Fair play to Larry, who kind of was in put himself in the shop window last uh, last year in Cincinnati and. Um, even though he got injured in the playoffs, uh, it kind of worked for him and he got a really nice deal. But then that put the pressure back. It's kind of fascinating, this area of free agency in terms of leverage and, you know, sort of chess game, really. One player goes and then suddenly, the you know, you, you start paying perhaps a little bit more for another player that you really need to stay and that's the case with BJ Hill. I thought BJ Hill was excellent. I think he's a better 
bet going forward than Larry Ogunjobi, to be honest with you. Better all-round player, perhaps. Certainly from last year's um, sample size. Um, and he uh, signed a deal three years, 30 million with 15 million in, in year one. I, I'm pretty pleased about that. I think he deserved it because I thought it's a nice reward for his play last year where he kind of came from nowhere, really, but made some huge plays, especially down the stretch, and he had a really good yeah. season. And, um, you know, if both Hill and Ogunjo, because the market for decent defensive tackles, I mean, there wasn't much of one, really, and you could imagine lots of teams sniffing around BJ Hill so I'm I'm kind of very happy that he signed because otherwise we'd be extremely extremely thin uh, at that defensive tackle more more specifically at three technique. Yeah, I completely agree. I, there's not too. I mean, there were, yeah, this is where you have to look back at what the Bengals did last year. They you forget they brought them both in as free mm. agents last year. Obviously, trading for BJ Hill and then getting Ogan Joby um, in free agency, and that's an example of two just incredible signings. They didn't break the bank. Obviously, one of them <clears> being a trade and getting something for Billy Price, who let's be honest, really didn't contribute a whole lot when he was here um, as a first round pick. So. Hard to keep both of them. You know, it would have been a lot of money to invest into that line when there's other areas of the team. But I I would have gone either way with it. I, I don't think it's a lot of money. I mean, both of them will be rubbing their hands together and being very, very happy, you know. Um, it feels like a lot. But, I mean, you have to give it to Hill. He was very, yeah. very good last season. He took advantage of an opportunity and he got rewarded for it. And I think you're bang on some when you say that there would have been other teams sniffing around. Not a ton of talent out there on the offensive line. Um, At his age as well. Again, it's that age that the Bengals love, you know, that kind of discarded guy looking for his second contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, Just approaching his prime. Um, It just made too much sense. And maybe they overpaid slightly for him, maybe. Yeah. But I think you've just got to say, look, we need this guy. And if we carry on, if we wait any longer, he's going to sign Well, Yeah, I think it's also indicative of when they signed him. I mean, someone like BJ, who I wouldn't have necessarily sat there and said he's going to get a day one deal done. But that kind of speaks to the fact that he was in demand. There were people after him. There were people offering him money and the Bengals felt like they had no choice. Um, you know, especially when Ogan Joby goes over to Chicago, you, they couldn't have afforded to lose both of those guys. You, you really, as a team that went to the Super Bowl, want to avoid too much turnover of players because they're the guys that got you there. You don't need, even if you might perceive other guys on the market to be better, they've got to integrate. It changes the team's chemistry. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel in this off season. We need some good, solid players. And really, we need to retain our own without obviously overspending. And I think... Fair enough to the Bengals. They had to pick one. I don't think you could have really made the wrong choice. I think Ogan Joby was perhaps slightly more flashy and he yeah. had a bit more of a, um, a bit more sort of physical power, I guess, to his game. Uh, maybe flashed on tape a bit more. But BJ Hill, very solid. Like you said, stepped up, played fantastically down the stretch. Um, welcome back. Yeah. And let's go through it then, shall we? So re-signed at the moment, we've got Jalen Davis. Uh, Fred Johnson was tendered. Uh, Joe Batchy, they re-signed. Trent Taylor, BJ Hill, obviously, and they they tagged Jesse Bates. Uh, That was kind of interesting, actually. That happened after we recorded last week's show. And, um, yeah. Do you think he's happy on that, Jesse? I don't think he's thrilled, but he's getting 30. Do you think he's going to play on it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I I would imagine so. Yeah. 
But what was inter- what interested me was the very kind of not ambiguous but less than positive, I would say, statement from Katie Blackburn saying, "Look, you know, we've offered him a fair deal. Uh, let's just look forward to having Jesse back this year." And no mention about you know trying to work out a, de- a deal, which I think they will try and work out a deal, obviously. But um, it just seems they're quite far apart, and the Bengals don't. Well, this is me reading between the lines. The, the Bengals don't really want to pay that much for a safety. Um, anyway, Especially, I, I think, with a safety like Jesse Bates, he'll want absolute top two, three, maybe, you know, in the league money for that. And he, he he's a very good player, don't get me wrong. And he, he did flash last year. He's certainly one of the better players on the defence. But he has had down years as well. He's He's been very up and down throughout his career, um, in terms of his performances. And what I think the, you're afraid of is if you go out there and give him a big contract, does he then take his foot off the gas? Does he not play as well? I mean, it's very it's difficult to say with stuff like that, but I, I can understand the Bengals yeah. looking at it and saying, oh, do we want to make him one of the highest paid players on the team, give him a big fat five-year, lots of money guarantee contract? And for a position that isn't necessarily the most impactful on the team. And obviously he, I mean, if he'd been lights out for five years and, you know, an absolute leader and he absolutely completely tearing up every season, you'd maybe say that there's no doubt we can't afford to lose him in the role of like a Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed type of character at the position. But I don't know. I, I'd love him to bring him back. Don't get me wrong, but I can understand yeah, yeah. the Bengals, um, you know, potential caution with that, I guess. Well, next year as well, they've got to start talking about Joe Burrow. They've got to start talking well, that's about what Logan I mean. Wilson. They've got to yeah. start talking yeah. about T Higgins. You know, it's it really is mind-boggling to me how they can juggle all these guys and keep them, you know, financially fed and watered, you know, because Burrow's going to get a massive, massive extension, isn't he? If you just look at the money that Aaron Rodgers is, is pulling in now and... Um, Anyway, back to the Bengals. So um, we've obviously added Alex Kappa and Ted Karras so far. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 15th of March. Something might be going down as I speak. Who knows? Um, And departing, Darius Phillips is off to the Raiders. A funny Uh, one, isn't it? Yeah, I think Darius has done okay. He's a sort of a low-end starter at best, I think. And he's he did okay, but it's obvious that the coaching staff, for whatever reason, don't have not bought into him for whatever. I'm not sure why. So we wish him well. And of course, Darius joining the Raiders means not just his time in Cincinnati is over, but his time on this podcast is over. There's no more Diddy Darius's Nathan. How upset! Well, we you. could still play it, but it just have to be as a member of the Raiders. You know, we just have to be uh, we could, be, be, be a bit rogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, maybe we'll bring out Diddy Darius uh, for Christmas or something like that. And at about half eleven last night, it was a fairly breathless day. I think the Bengals, you know, you you take that after day one, two, as you say, really solid additions in in major um, areas of weakness. So that was great. Um, a couple of departures that you could swallow, uh, and then the news came in that uh, CJ Uzama. Uh, would also be leaving. Uh, he's signing a reported three-year deal with the Jets worth $24 million, 
which kind of represents a bit of a pay rise from what he was getting from the Bengals. Not huge amounts, but I think works out at about eight million a year. Um, that actually, uh, do you know what? I was really, <laughs> really upset. I've had a bit of an emotional week anyway, but I that really upset me. I was pretty certain that they were going to bring him back because he was such a crucial figurehead for last year's Super Bowl uh, push. He was just so brilliant. And he's always been brilliant, hasn't he? But last year in particular, everyone just really fell in love with him if they weren't already. He was He's funny, he's smart, he's a good player on the pitch. And he's obviously this... You know, this lightning rod off it, you know, part court jester, part, you know, speech giver. Um, and for him to go, that's to me, that's quite a blow, actually. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, isn't it, with CJ? I was of the opinion that I thought he might go because I did think he'd want reasonably decent money. And to the point of Jesse Bates about who, you know, you can only lock up so many people... CJ's one of those guys, there's no doubt he's probably, apart from maybe Burrow, the most influential guy in that locker room, a leader. He's been around the team for a long time. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's not a pro bowl player. He's not someone I don't think, I think he's going to be 30 this year. I'm not sure he's got an extra gear in him to be one of those tight ends that's going to be putting up seven, 800 yards a season, seven or eight touchdowns and be a sort of, borderline pro bar i think he's about at his level i think he had just under 500 yards this last season and five touchdowns good return can't argue with that especially with him coming back off an achilles yeah um achilles tear which is a savage injury um and that was his most productive season to date with burrow um and it propelled us to a, a super bowl berth but the one thing I'd say, because I, I, I think that deal is quite steep, that you look around, that there's a lot of other guys roughly around his sort of level. Tyler Conklin is a guy that I quite like, yeah. that is similar sort of level to him. You look at Gerald Everett, he's also very similar in terms of production to, to CJ. There's Max Williams out there as well. Tonyan as well. Robert Tonyan. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, quite a few guys out there that you could bring in. They certainly, I don't think, would add the leadership value and the charisma that CJ would. But production-wise... I think they would be sort of in and around the same sort of level. There's no elite guys out there. I know the draft class is pretty good for tight ends, but it's a bit of a stretch to go out there and say, right, we're going to get a guy. I'm almost certainly not in round one. So at the back end of round two, mm. that can seriously come in and, and do a job. And we know a drew sample. We took him pretty early on in the second round. That hasn't really certainly as a pass catcher panned out as you perhaps like. So, I don't know. That's a bit of a a bit of a difficult one, there. And I, the one thing I thought that was, if to say maybe that was surprising, is for CJ. It's like if he was going to the Chargers or he was going somewhere, you know, that, that also had a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'd get it. I get the lure of the city of New York. You know, unbelievable place to go and live and have you know take your family and everything else. But the Jets aren't the contenders and they're not going to be contenders. They've had a nice free agency period though. They Um, have, but they haven't really, I don't think anyone's bought in on Zach Wilson. They they were one of the worst teams in the league last year. Now I know we, we know more than anyone that that can turn around quite quickly, but for CJ's sake, you know, we talk about this Joe Burrow effect, obviously him and Burrow had a fantastic relationship. That's something that I thought may have swayed him. Even if there were other teams out there saying, look, we might give you an extra million or so a year more that may have, kept him around and I, I thought the team might have you know certainly Zach Taylor might have said look 
you know, let's just maybe stretch the boat out slightly more just because of that leadership value. But I'm okay with it. It's it's, a, it's an enormous shame as a fan in terms of the team's on the field performance. I think it would have been us overpaying for what he actually brings on the field with the greatest deal of respect to him. Yeah, I think you have to separate, you really have to separate this out because, as you say, as a fan, I'm absolutely gutted, like more gutted than I thought I would be over something like this because it's sport, you know. But I love the guy. I think he's just brilliant. You mentioned that word, charisma. He's got it in bucket loads. and um, It's a rare, a rare character as well. He's really smart and funny and kind. As Sarah Sherman in last week's episode said, she said, you know, CJ Uzama is the kindest human being. And, and it just, you know, it, it just made you feel good that he was on our team. I don't think there's a uh, another guy that's been loved as much by the fans since, say, Chad. I really don't. I think no, in I terms think of right. character. I, I mean, there right. was Geo, who we all loved to bits. Wasn't as bad. Yeah, it's that, he'd be similar. Perfect in a weird way. But yeah, perfect <laughs> in the sort of not, certainly not bad in boy way. <laughs> but Uzama, he was, I don't know, I was just thinking about it last night. It's like, God, I'm really upset about this. You know, just to have him on our team, I was really proud because he just gave the right, feel uh, about it there was nothing nasty everything was good yeah. about it you know he's he's he really helped as well you talk about how good the bengal social media team's been and yeah he how really it, how the whole how the whole sort of pr style of things has put the bengals on a, a national level and really i mean last year i'd never seen anything like the perception of the bengals in the media how it turned around in more or less one season from being pretty much a mess you know haven't made the playoffs this that and the other haven't won a playoff game cheap no indoor practice facility they were the sexiest team nearly in the nfl at one point young fun and he really epitomized a lot of that yeah. with his sort of antics and his his dressing up and his media appearances and you could tell when he went on all of the different nfl shows that he had just this confidence about him the swagger and he portrayed such a great you know sort of um vision of what the team was about and the culture within that locker room he had that great sort of flirtatious fun relationship with Kay Adams who was also a big part of well know, the... some people have been speculating that's part of the reason he's off to New York but um... I was going to say is she based in New York she is the uh, yeah so no, honestly I tell you do you reckon he's a hello hey I did think that when I saw it I was like I would not be surprised if Kay Adams lives in New York if there was something to do with that that's, that's a that's a hot rumour that. That is a hot take. The hottest of hot takes right there. Get in there, uh, CJ. Get in there, Kay. Make it it official. I tell you, there's another wrinkle uh, that might have swayed CJ going to New York. Um, Apparently, the New York Jets owner, whose name I can't remember, Woody Johnson. Mr. Mr. Old White Rich Man, I think his name is. Um, Apparently, he's in for buying Chelsea. He's going to put a bid in to buy Chelsea. And who is a rabid supporter of Chelsea? CJ Uzama. I just wonder whether CJ is thinking about his next steps. Because after this three-year contract, he's going to be in his early 30s. And, you know, as we mentioned, he's a smart guy. He's probably thinking about the future. Um, I bet he would love to be involved in the running of Chelsea in some way, shape or form. And I do wonder genuinely whether that has something to do with his decision to go to New York. Now, obviously, this geezer hasn't, uh, Mr. Old Rich White Guy hasn't 
actually bought Chelsea and that might not come off at all. But I don't know, it just made me think twice a little bit and I wonder whether that was something to do with it. But of course, you know, as people have already mentioned, there's also the other aspect to this that New York is a is media city more or less you know New New York and LA the two biggest markets out there uh they're going to love him in New York and he has got yeah. that Michael Strahan type of um you know he really does kind of stretch out uh, you know burst out of sport and he's he's kind of you know he's just he'll just be fantastic on TV I wouldn't bet against him being an NFL Network or ESPN presenter or pundit within five years. I really wouldn't. And as I say, he's got that Strahan star sort of transgressiveness and, and pizzazz and charisma and pop and personality. I mean, Strahan is not just doing the American football now, is he, on Fox? He does Good Morning America as well. He's a breakfast TV presenter. I'm not quite saying CJ's cut out for that or would want to do that, but he's got that same kind of warmth in his personality that draws people to him so i wouldn't be surprised if uh i really wouldn't be surprised if he's got a career in the media if he wants it going forward but as you say i think the sweetener if you can separate all that out absolutely devastate to see him go but if you can separate it out and then the sweetener to all this is that there are some free agent tight ends out there that would be good on a one-year deal, I think. Someone like an O.J. Howard, a former first-rounder. Um, you know, like, as you mentioned, Gerald Everett, although my Seahawks supporting mate says, you know, he was a bit injured, he was dropping everything last year, you know, lots of potential, but, you know, wasn't great for the Seahawks last year. Um you know, other like Tanyan and Conklin and all these guys, they're all out there. Um, You've got I, to get one of them, though. I, I just yeah, think, I there's, think no that's way you, there's no way you can go into the draft with just Drew Sample as a, a realistic option um, at the position. It would be a massive, massive downgrade to even if you were even if you were to draft someone in the first round. I'm not, I'm not, I've not gone into draft mode yet. I'm still. Sort no, of there's some good ones. Deep. It's quite a strong, deep tight end class. So. Yeah, I, it is. But you, so this year. This off season is the biggest off season ever, I think, for the Bengals, and I don't think you can afford to draft someone. Like I said, even in the first round, second round, third round, whenever it might be, and say, "Oh, the, this guy's going to be the starter." It really is difficult to to get someone to come in and play at the level CJ played last year and stick up 500 yards and five touchdowns at least. And if you're going to get rid of someone like CJ, you, you do kind of want to upgrade it. I mean, that offense is extremely potent. Um, yeah, I, you you can't afford it. it. Would be such a risk to go in there with just someone in the draft. I think you've got to go and get one of these these veterans that's out there. I don't think any of them would be an obvious upgrade um, on CJ of the realistic options that are out there. But I also don't think it'd be a huge drop off at all either. I think if you've got someone like a Conklin, who would probably be my favourite option out there, to be honest. Mm. Um, and OJ Howard's, you know, he's a good player. He's definitely well, he is, but he's injured all round the peer. bloody time. Yeah, is he? yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I strongly think that, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would be a huge drop off, and we could save a few quid potentially. But yeah, a difficult one all round. I think that I would sign, re-sign Mason Shrek. I think that would be solve all our problems. Um, <laughs> no, I would sign one, draft one. Um, and the same goes to cornerback as well. We still haven't addressed that, and I do 
wonder whether they're going to bring Eli Apple back. I think in terms of play, I actually do think he really deserves it. But he just loves stirring the pot, doesn't he? He loves stirring it. I mean, he did play, to be fair to the geezer. He, had a fairly he was good brilliant year last, last year. year but... and, and that was actually, for me, one of the stories of last year, how they picked up Eli Apple. Not necessarily off the scrap heap, but he moved around a bit. Yeah, he obviously yeah. wasn't well-liked within the NFL and fan bases. And he he played really, really well. And that was epitomised by that fantastic goal line stop in the in the AFC Championship game, you know. Um, the, the Bengals really, I mean, you could call this luck. You could call it fantastic from the front office, whatever you want to call it. You could say it's fantastic coaching. But you really look at their, the free agency hall they got last year and it was almost perfect in terms of what they got out of everyone. I mean, that's why I think everyone was so taken by surprise with how the Bengals did last year. Cause they clearly had some talent with people like Burrow and proven starters on the team and stuff like that. But Jesus Christ, everyone they got last year and you talk about them, the middle of the road type of guys, certainly Eli Apple. I mean, like mm. you said, barely off the scrap heap, but more or less. And, Everyone stepped up. Mike Hilton's Cheetos, Eli Apple's, Hendrickson's. I mean, he could go on and on and on. We've said it a million times, but they've got to hope the Bengals that that's not just lucky and that they got of golden class. Because you look back to Bengals free agency pickups in the past and they've not always been fantastic. Now, I love the two signings they've got so far. Mm. Um, They seem like fairly safe signings in some ways, like proven starters, high character guys. That's that's the sort of thing that you want on team-friendly deals, but still a long way to go, isn't there? There is, and I think, you know, because of the quick start yesterday, everyone is expecting, you know, an avalanche of stuff each day. But, of course, you know, the Bengals are obviously, you know, as they should be, watching who's being released from other teams, you know, playing, you know, just playing it cool, seeing who's out there, seeing what fits, who's seeing who doesn't. Seeing, you know, the financial fit as well, whether they can stretch to these guys. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's really solid. They haven't gone for tier one guys, the top, the top table guys, but they've gone for really good, solid players. And and in some ways, that's kind of less of a boom or bust uh, formula than going for the top table guys. If that makes a weird sort of sense, you know, would I have liked a Brandon Scherf? Absolutely. Would I uh, liked Terran Armstead? Absolutely. But if you're going to, that's just not the team style. And I kind of agree with it in some ways because, like you said earlier, you want some money for the rest of the team. We do need now a tight end, right? We do need absolutely a cornerback, whether that's Eli Apple or whether it's a Donta Jackson or a Steven Nelson or someone like that, uh, a decent uh, price, you know. So we have got needs all over the team that we could do with. We obviously need another right tackle. Um, I've got a question for you, Sam. Yeah. So in the past, obviously, the last couple of years, we we were going mad about the fact that the Bengals' linebacking group was too weak and it was a clear problem on the team and we couldn't figure out why they didn't decide to go out and get a free agent linebacker last year. And even the year before, there was some, you know, they had Preston Browns and um, all the rest of it that came and went and... Um, Josh Bynes obviously left. And we were saying, God, why haven't they gone out and got veteran stars? They need one, they need one, they need one. And the reality was they had some young guys on the team that really stepped up and played well in Marcus Bailey, Joe Batchy, people like that. Jermaine Pratt really kicked on. And they certainly got through, you know. Then the, the um, That unit ended up looking like a pretty 
pretty good strength on the team. Now, obviously, we're looking around and we're saying we need this, we need that, we need a cornerback, we need a defensive tackle to replace Ogan Joby. Obviously, we need a tight end. Are there guys on this team that the Bengals, obviously, they know them much better than we do as fans, that think this guy, he's a bit of a diamond in the rough. He's going to step up and play well. Is there any areas on the team that you can think off the top of your head where they may just sit there and say, do you know what? We're really happy with X player like a Jackson Carmen, or, mm. or if you're going to talk about the line, or you know Tyler Shelvin um, on the defensive line. They may sit there and say this guy's going to go. You know he's going to be we didn't playing much last year, but we've seen so much through him. He's got the right attitude. We think he's going to take the league by storm. We don't need to go out there and pay some veteran that's just going to come in and sort of chip around. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a tricky one because you look at pretty much every area of the team and. Players last year really stepped up. You know, Jermaine Pratt's really stepped up last year. Logan Wilson uh, stepped on the stepped on the accelerator last year, improved no end in his second year, and he had a good rookie season as well. Let's face it. You know, obviously the wide receivers as well. Mixon was better last year. Burrow, you could say, was better last year. Um, so I would actually say the offensive line. I. I'm I'm still a fan of Deontay Smith, and I do think out of every one of those guys, um, he's the one that's best equipped to make it. I also think Jackson Carmen is not a guard on last year's uh, evidence. I think he's got the measurables to be a much better tackle. Um, so he's, of course, and as we mentioned before, these guys tend to make big jumps from year one to year two because they know what it's yep. all about. They know what it takes, both physically and mentally, to be a success in the NFL. So I would not be surprised if both Carmen and Deontay Smith, maybe even Trey Hill as well, took took steps uh, and improved <laughs> last year. But strangely and ironically, that's the area that we improve, need to improve now and we need guarantees of improvement. Like you said, we cannot wait for these guys to improve. We need it now, which is why they went out and spent money on Karras and uh, Kappa. So... Who knows? Uh, some breaking news. Uh, the Bengals do not plan to tender restricted uh, free agent wide receiver Stanley Morgan. Yeah, that surprise him. He'll become an unrestricted free agent tomorrow, uh, i.e. Wednesday at 4pm. Yeah, that is a bit surprising, isn't it? I mean, I think he's highly rated within the within the dressing room. He uh, threw, threw, threw some key blocks uh, when he did play and... We all thought again. There's another guy that's coming on quite nicely. Well, that isn't ever going to be like a, you know, huge part of the team. But he's a crucial part of the team. You know, a real important cog. And as you say, he's a terrific special team. So, yeah, um, that's uh, interesting. I I wouldn't be surprised if they sign him back. But all um, all, the, all yeah. it takes out contract, isn't he? He is. Yeah, I wouldn't. So that's expect... what I mean. They are going to need. I'm sure they'll probably draft a receiver yeah, in this yeah. year. Like not early by any means, but. Someone's to sort of come in because the Bengals, like I said, they, they had such a beautiful bit of luck last season with all three of those guys between Boyd, um, Boyd Chase and Higgins all just being available the whole season and playing to such a high standard. But you've got to ha try at least to have a fourth guy that could at least be productive should one of them, God forbid, two of them go down just so that you can sort of maintain that level. And Everyone loved Auden Tate, but you've got to be honest, the speed wasn't there. He didn't have that ability. There was no. I think he'd had his chance really to break through and didn't cut it. Obviously, Stanley Morgan's now on the way out. You've got Trent Taylor, Trent Irwin, those guys that, you know, decent sort of slot receivers, but they're not going to sort of 
stretch the field necessarily. So I think certainly maybe in the fourth round, fifth round, they might look to just chuck, um, have a little like punt on a receiver in the draft, or you know maybe even in free agency if there's a guy out there yeah, that yeah, yeah. Um, the, the coaching staff and there will quite be like there will be some yeah, there exactly. will be some back end of the roster guys that uh, you know will be available for cheapest chips. Now then, um, uh, we'll we're just going to go to your correspondence. But Nathan, what are you expecting in the next couple of three days? Um, uh, sort of slow progress after that initial burst of of activity or um, what are you expecting? Oh, um, it's difficult to predict, isn't it? Let's face it; really difficult to predict. I think the best case scenario. I, I, I don't know. I, I think if Leo, I don't think the Bengals will trade picks for Leo Collins. I don't know why. I just don't think they will. I think this may be with Leo Collins, and I, I, I can't profess to know everything on this, but I know there were some character concerns with him in the past, and some bits and pieces that maybe they're potentially concerned with. Um, he would be, in theory, and probably arguably the best case scenario, um, to steal the centre from the Browns would probably be the best case scenario, especially he's, he's an extremely high character guy, Ivy Ivy League guy, and obviously um, I think he's head of the, the Players Committee yeah, as well, so right. he shows yeah, yeah, yeah. the sort of character of someone like that. I mean, that would realistically be an incredible sign-in. I think there's a chance it happens. I think we're probably past the point. I think that would be either of those two, I think would be the best case scenario in terms of the profile of the signing. I think they'll chip away. I think you'll see a cornerback come back. They'll want to bring back a number of their own. Like you said, Eli Apple, I think has got a pretty good chance of coming back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Quinton Spain came back. I'd be fairly happy with that. Um, but I don't think there'll be any fireworks. I think there'll be a couple of solid additions. And like I said, I think best case scenario will be Collins. But I'd say that's a bit unlikely just on the way the Bengals tend to tend to work. I think it probably would be a bit more likely um, to bring in JC Tretter um, from the Browns yeah, would yeah. be a sexy move, probably the sexiest we can hope for, which would be pretty damn sexy, I must say. Well, he's a top three centre in the league by all accounts, so I'd, I'd be quite happy with uh, with. Tretter uh, I would also be happy with a cornerback and I would also be happy with a tight end because then basically you know what you can you could probably maybe keep going with Prince at right tackle especially with a better interior oh, I don't know son I don't well, know I'm just saying I'm just saying that you probably could be especially if you if you made that interior rock solid you know what I mean yeah um because having Prince next to Adenergy was just an absolute liability. And Trey in the first half of the season, you know, not great. Um, but we'll see. It's a, it's a real juggling act, isn't it? A real juggling act. You might want to move Carmen to right tackle. I don't know. Or, or suddenly throw your weight behind Deontay Smith at right tackle. Who knows? And then you probably draft one as well. So um, we shall see. Let's get to your correspondences, shall we? Um, Peter Dadswell, at Dadders. I'm impressed with the front office approach. Multi-year contracts for players with plenty of tread left. Leaders, winners, no short-term fix. Get them locked up ahead of the bigger contract extensions to follow when the cap will also increase, such as Burrow. Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Solid handle. Great to see the O-line strengthen, but sad to see CJ go. So much of the game is driven by stats, but he gave us the chemistry and leadership that we'll find hard to replace. 
and he's a massive Chelsea fan. <laughs> Not everyone would agree with that at the moment, Dave. Um, Paris Penny, Paris Penny. It's been an incredible start to free agency, but they can't let up with the O-line signings. Would love to see Tretter or Collins sign within the next couple of days. I'd happily go for both, even if that means addressing tight end and defensive tackle in the draft instead. I think they will. Now they've signed BJ, I think they will draft uh, another three technique in the uh, in the draft. No problems about that. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, tight end as a rookie is notoriously difficult, isn't it? Um, to kind of, you know, make your mark as a rookie as a tight end, even though Kyle Pitts obviously had a decent year. He didn't blow everyone away, for instance. Like, he did have one touchdown. I mean, he had a thousand mm. yards, Kyle Pitts. So you can say, take your hat off to him for that. Yeah, and I think he will be great. And, I think he will oh, be he, great. He, there's no doubt he'll be an elite talent. But I mean, he's probably the best tight end that's come out in the last five to ten years. I mean, he's been, he's been absolutely astonishing in terms of, um, you know, his athletic ability and stuff like that. I mean, there's certainly going to be no one there for us of anywhere near his standard in the second, third round. So, um, yeah, I, I do think you've got to get a veteran in. I think if you get a veteran in, you probably still draft someone yes, I agree. in rounds I agree. three or four, and then you've got a fairly solid unit there. Odat at DZE, we all, we all want good value in free agency. And, of course, we've a budget to keep to within the cap, and I get that. But the front office needed to get away from them deciding the value of a position they don't. The market sets the value. But overall, a positive start and hoping it continues. Um, Danny mentioned something quite interesting there, and it's a criticism that's often level at the Bengals, that they uh, don't go with the market value. They stick very conservatively to their own value of positions, and uh, and they've taken a bit of a stick. You know, Mike Florio, obviously, surprisingly, Kel Surprise, has had a bit of a go saying that these kind of the way the Bengals structure their deals is antiquated and they were going to win anything pretty much. He said that he didn't say that outright, but that was his intonation that, uh, you know, they're not going to win anything if they if they keep missing out on the big players because they're unwilling to change the, the way they structure deals. Um there you go, that's Mike Florio. Um, I mean, he makes a relevant point, but he just says it with such disdain that... Um, uh, you got to wonder if there's an agenda there, really. And Greg, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's flexibility. I mean, what what the Jags are doing is the exact opposite yeah. to what the Bengals are doing, and the Jags have done that for donkey's years. And it, I mean, some of the signings they're making, yes, I mean, they get Brandon Scherf's a great player, and Christian Kirk's a good player as well. But goodness, not me, at I mean, that the price, though, in, for Christian. No, Kirk. not even close to at that price. And it, there's some just some crazy money, slightly random as well. I mean, you look at the money they're knocking out, and then their wide receiver core, and you think that's not really a top end wide receiver group and they're spending an absolute fortune on it and yeah, it, all it just feels, feels a bit very random. yeah it feels random unfocused and quite desperate do you know what i mean whereas yeah, the bengals exactly. yeah even yeah, when they've spent agree. big money in or, or big for them in in free agency they've always done it in quite controlled prudent sensible way and of course that's not for everyone everyone likes to see money and huge contracts and blah 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 but I don't know. I think there's a bit of six of one half and doesn't the other. Yes, the the Bengals way isn't always the way to attract the big names. Uh, yep. We've missed out on players in the past because of it, both yep. players yep. in-house and players from outside the organisation. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely fair to say. Um, but equally, 
we've still signed some really good players over the past couple of years. And do you know what? We got to the Super Bowl la- last year, so stick it up your ass, Mike Florio. Um, uh, Jamie at Trequart Beaster, happy with Karis and Kappa as the fruits of the first day's labour. Would like us to bring uh, Apple and sp- another. Fr- that would be a fruit on the second day, wouldn't it, eh? Hey? <laughs> and Spain back and uh, add another O-line, defensive tackle and tight end. He likes Robert Tonyan. And a nice little Von Bell-style surprise. And this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, no one could really have foreseen uh, Tretter being released by the Browns, but when these guys become available, yeah, you've yeah, got to make yeah. a decision. And I think that was the same with DJ Reader as well. I don't think they were planning on Reader. Maybe they were. They certainly weren't with Von Bell. Jamie's right on that one. Rob Hill at Logan never held. Uh, Solid handle. I want to see Big Spain back. I think he did enough in his private year. Very pleased with yesterday's acquisitions. But sad to see CJ go. I think his role in the team is going to really take some filling. Fingers crossed for one more lineman. At least we can take best player available at the draft. Derek Young at Mr. Degsy. Um, Some good news in exactly the right area that keeps enough cap space to make further moves possible. Still need another on the O-line. Defensive line to replace Ogan Joby, tight end to replace CJ, third CB and punter. Some starters, that's interesting. Um, some starters will have to come in from the draft or develop reserve players, agreed. Sean, a disciple of Ange, um, nobody can accuse them of sitting back and waiting for guys to fall to them at least. Really excited to see where else we go, agreed. Uh, Sean. Killian at Malloy uh, underscore double zero. Gutted to see uh, CJ leave. He was undoubtedly a huge reason we got to the Super Bowl. His presence and leadership will be missed in that locker room. Guys like him can be hard to replace. Derek. Do you think, just quickly, mm. to, sorry, do you mm. think, obviously it's a, it's, well, it's a very obvious statement about the leadership and the chemistry that we're going to miss with him. How Just how important do you think that is as one player? Obviously, you've got Burrow, Zach Taylor's the coach. You've got some other you know, strong personalities in that locker room. They've got some good leaders coming in with Kappa and Karras. But obviously, the chemistry will change quite a bit. But how, just how much of a factor do you think that is? Well... It's really difficult to say, isn't it? Because we don't know what the other guys in the locker room were. Because CJ was such a visible figurehead, wasn't he? As I mentioned earlier, he he really embodied that sense of fun. And why not us? Let's just have a go. Let's do it. And he was having a laugh. And he was dressing up as an elf on Christmas Eve, you know, the Christmas game. And he was taking the piss out of Chase all the time. Who else was taking the piss out of Chase? Probably no one on that team. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? I think it is. A, he had a unique personality. Um, so I think it will be big. But, you know, as we, all, as we all know, as we all know, sport moves on and there'll be other characters, different characters. CJ is unique. So there's never going to be another person like him. Um, See, that's but, why the Jets brought him in to maybe be a bit of a mentor to Zach Wilson and try and sort of put yeah. his arm around a, a young quarterback. You think that's a big reason, like, yeah. you know, outside the fact that he's a. Um, obviously a good, a pretty strong tight end. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, like you say, he's never going to be like this game-changing type, type of player, but his presence and now experience and his his way of relaxing everything in the in the locker room and his connection with the fans. I mean, New York's going to love him, let's face it. New York yeah, is going to yeah. absolutely love him. Derek Davis at D Davis 2 Three solid interior uh 
and DL signings on day one. Team-friendly contracts. Florio can stick it up his ass. He doesn't remember Cordy Glenn. <laughs> Farewell, CJ and Darius Phillips. Oh, yeah, Cordy Plus, Glenn. they kept Batchy and Taylor. They are sticking to the plan. Um, God, I forgot about Cordy Glenn. I know. Jesus. Yeah, shame that one didn't work out, did it? But um, I don't think he ever played again, did he? No, I don't think he did. Um, I think they were just, you know, his stint at the Bengals and his red flags at the Bills. And, you know, um, I think that was probably enough for teams to, to kind of say, well, this, this guy's probably not... Um, for us, which is a shame because he was a great player on his day, I think. Um, Moz at Moza92, aggressive, like the quick turn to sign Kappa when Jensen stayed. Karras, nice, flexible piece, and both will protect Joe. Delighted BJ Hill stayed. He was my preferred option of him and Ogan Joby, out of him and Ogan Joby. Plenty of cap and cash still for shopping, and some really interesting releases already. Well, there we go. Let's see what this uh, second, third, fourth day um, um, brings. I can't wait, really. I mean, I don't, I, not going to be as frenzied, you would imagine, but certainly, I think there's going to be um, there's going to be some uh, some pickups. I think so. It's all very exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. I, the, the other thing to think about with all of this is it's obviously probably the biggest free agency period in the history of the Bengals. There's such an opportunity here to go one better or at the very least just to get back to the Super Bowl, have a good run in the playoffs and have an exciting season after a couple, a couple in the past that haven't been great. But that task, especially if you look around the NFL and what's happened in the last week, for the Bengals becomes even more difficult. Tom Brady coming back, the Bucks go from being a bit of a non-factor next year, and they're on our schedule as well. Remember that. That's now a very difficult game, and obviously another team that are absolute Super Bowl contenders, as any Tom Brady team is. And you bring in Russell Wilson, yeah. uh, my favourite quarterback outside of Joe Burrow, um, all the way over from Seattle into into the AFC. So, I mean, if you're looking around at that AFC, you're probably going to get Deshaun Watson back in the league this year. Um, and you think about that AFC and you think, God, blimey, like if he ends up at someone like the Browns, there's been some chat about that he might end up there. And you think, obviously, you've got Mahomes, you've got Herbert, you've got Russell Wilson, you've got Lamar Jackson. Um, there's some bloody good talent floating around at the quarterback position mm. in the AFC now. And obviously with Brady back as well in the NFC, Rogers hasn't retired. He's coming back. and He's going to play a couple more years. And, you know, earn 150 million or whatever it is. So the stakes and the bar really go up for the Bengals here because th there's some such fantastic teams around there that all still, you look at what the Chargers are doing. I mean, they went out and got JC Jackson. Um, Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's, that's sort of ultra aggressive, a bit like exactly how their counterparts in LA, the Rams, did it last season, went out and got these blockbuster signings, headline signings in Von Miller, OBJ, um, all the rest of it. And, the Chargers look like they're doing the same thing, just absolutely stacking the decks here with some headline players. So it's going to be going to be an interesting one to see how the Bengals can keep pace with that because just improving on last year might not be enough um, just to get them in that position they'd perhaps like to be. So I hope they don't. It's you know we, we want to come out of this really feeling like they've given it everything 
and have gone sort of eight, nine, ten out of ten in their approach rather than a seven, which is you know not, not bad. Maybe gets us a playoff win um, against someone like the Raiders again, but isn't good enough to get us consistently past a team like Kansas City or obviously the Chargers now. So yeah, the bar is higher. And uh, it's exciting, though. I can't wait to see what they do in the next couple of days, as I say. But do remember, this is only the first part in the jigsaw. The draft is to come as well. And uh, uh, there'll be lots of back end of the roster signings as well, no doubt, to bolster everything up. Stanley Morgan might come back on a a cheaper one-year deal. Uh, Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Hey, listen, it's been a tough week for me. I lost my little dog, Archie, uh, last, uh, what was it, a few days ago. So this episode goes out to you, Arch, my little bro. Uh, sadly missed and much missed. Um, and with that, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation. <laughs>